Hello and salutations to all. Welcome to this edition of Forward Pass Thinking Audio Content. I'm your host, as always, Jondras. And today, as always, after the Super Bowl, I'm joined by Matt Harmon. Matt Harmon, how the heck are you? I'm good, Jondras. It's always good to talk to you. And yeah, it feels like we're definitely coming off kind of a, a down Super Bowl. It wasn't as exciting as maybe some of the prior games, just being the special two ones that the Patriots were just in versus the Falcons and Eagles. We're not quite as flying high right now, given those results. But Still happy with overall with this football season. And, uh, you know, I do find myself not as sick to my, my stomach that the Patriots won another one, which uh, I guess we could talk about. So you feel like you've kind of numbed over. Is that what I just got from your last comment? You kind of feel like the Patriots are the best. What are we going to do? Who cares? Is that kind of what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, I think I tweeted this after the game that basically, in my opinion, hating them is kind of like a waste of an emotion at this point. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, what what are you going to do? I mean... Yeah, they're they're the best out there. They're certainly not boring. I know it's kind of hard to see the same team in there over and over and over and over again. But at the same time, what makes the Patriots so great is that they're basically like the chameleons of the NFL. They constantly adapt. They constantly change. The team that was in the Super Bowl just a few days ago is vastly different than the team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against the Falcons. It's even different than the group that was there last year against the Eagles. That's what makes the Patriots so fascinating. It's that they change every single year. They're constantly adapting. So I've chosen to just kind of let go of the negative emotions surrounding the team and just become so fascinated with this dynasty in general. You bring up two things there that I want to talk about. A, you kind of brought about how uh, how much they change over time and how year to year. Um, people like to say that Brady's a system guy or people like Edelman are system players. What system? You know, can you tell me what right. system they run and then I can, you know, figure out if he, they're system players? Second thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, as somebody who pretends like they're a serious football analyst, uh, me, uh, on Twitter, I'll say things that, like... I, let's get into it i think edelman is making a strong case for the hall of fame and when you say good things about players who so everybody hates the patriots and i don't think a lot of people have uh, gone over to your side of things where it's like what are we going to do they're the best and uh i feel like it's our job right to be unbiased and to tell people what they see but they're not going to like that because they want you to say nice things about their team i've been raked over the coals over the edelman thing is what i'm trying to say are are you there with me or are you against me on this one um i don't think that i'm there and that he's a hall of famer um i don't think it's ridiculous to talk about especially in the moment that we're in right now coming off a super bowl mvp performance i mean coming off a really strong playoff run he's been a key member of this franchise for the last several years. And it's the best franchise in sports, at least in the NFL. So I don't think it's crazy to assert. I don't have a strong, strong opinion on it. I think forced, you know, like just like, Hey, you got to jump off a bridge. If you don't answer this question, I think I would probably say he's not a hall of famer, but I don't think I'm going to rake you over coals for it at the same time. So I understand that it's worth having a discussion right now. I, I still think I, that he's probably not a Hall of Famer, but I don't think it's crazy to assert at this point. I mean, he's a key member of the story that is the New England Patriots. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's crazy. And I feel like I'm projecting a little because why is Andy Reid going to beat Bill Belichick? You know what I mean? Like, why Like why next year is that going to change? You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. who's going to take down the Patriots? Like, we're, we're three years in of or of them going to the Super Bowl every year. I, I, I don't understand why that would change. Do you know what I mean? 
I, I don't get it. Well, that's why it's like, yeah, resistance is futile, basically. That's what I how I feel like right now. You know, submit to the empire has basically been my calling point for the last few weeks since it became apparent that they were going to go to the, another Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't know. Now, look, football is a strange sport. It's a sport that's built on small sample sizes. Anything can happen within a four-quarter event or even, you know, a little bit of overtime, which we saw a couple times here in the postseason. So, I mean, certainly I think teams like the Chiefs are very much good enough to beat them, especially, look, the Chiefs right now, while they have, you know, literal God incarnate at quarterback and they have so many interesting offensive playmakers, that was a team with very clear, definable holes. And those are the teams that we've seen New England just make mincemeat of over and over and over again. You know, they don't cover well in the back end. Their run defense is a total joke. They can rush the passer, but... There are a lot of holes in that defense. The interior of the offensive line was a big problem. We saw the Patriots attack them. So I think the Chiefs could easily get back into get into the Super Bowl next year and beat New England. But th- w- what makes them so great, the Patriots, is that they ha- do have that clear and definable roster-building strategy. You're, we can talk about the system thing because that is a discussion worth having too. But the way they build their roster is a system. It's Brady, it's Belichick, and then it's just – figure the rest of it out, you know, put, put pieces together. Don't be clearly defined to one way of building things, be flexible. And that's what's made then, you know, winning on the margins is what's made them such a great team. And, and that's why I think most of the AFC is just kind of spinning their wheels. Like, Hey, we got to wait for these guys to, to kick the bucket until we can really have a lot of shot, have some more wider windows in across the NFL. Do you think we talk about Dante Hightower enough? I mean, he had the biggest play in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, you know, that led to the uh, Butler pick. He had the uh, the strip sack on Matt Ryan, right? Uh, that kind of changed yeah. things. And then um, he was all over the field on Sunday. Do you think we talk about him enough? I mean, he, he's he's like the consummate Patriots player that, you know, just like Edelman turns into Jerry Rice when it's time to win the Super Bowl. You know, Dante Hightower turns into uh, Bruce, you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor when it when it's time to win the Super Bowl, you know. So I, I think it's there's there's something to be said. I thought that if the Rams had really come out, you know, in three wide receiver sets, maybe mix in a couple of twelve personnel every now and again, and especially I, I thought it was crazy that we didn't see more of Gurley as a pass catcher because while Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy are almost like they're more defensive ends than these faster thinner, lighter linebackers are almost more like safeties that we see across the NFL nowadays. Mm-hmm. What those two guys bring to the table is that heavier pass rushing ability. They're slower, but they can get after it on blitzes. And I thought the Rams really missed an opportunity. I thought Sean McVay specifically missed an opportunity to not you target those guys in coverage more. And really they played right into the Patriots' hand in that regard because that's what we consistently see with them is the ability of those guys as blitzers. You're right to call out Don Tower in that regard. Um. I, I was confused at the end of the first half of the Super Bowl. Uh, they The Patriots got the ball about the one and a half or the two uh, of, on their own side of the field. Uh, Brady kneels it down to try to get to, out of the half. McVay doesn't call his two timeouts. Why not force them to run two more plays at their goal line? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think it's – there's a lot of decisions throughout the game. I think you can question – both Sean McVay and Jared Goff to to a certain extent for sure. So that's a question for the Rams going forward is Sean McVay has proven to be one of the best, if not the best play caller in the NFL right now 
when he's on his designed script. When things are going to plan for the L.A. Rams, Goff is a great quarterback, and McVay is you know, one of the three to two best coaches in the NFL right there with Bill Belichick. What, they, what the Rams have not shown an ability to do, and this was very apparent over the second half of the season, is to do what the Patriots and Bill Belichick do best, which is adapt, play left-handed, win on the margins. Those are the things that the Rams have to do going forward uh, in order to, to reach their ceiling of a Super Bowl team. Yeah, and uh, McVay is six years older than me, and in six years I will not be coaching the Super Bowl. Um, I guess you kind of answered the question I was going to ask next about what they need to do to kind of bounce back from this. But um, you mentioned Gurley earlier. What do you think is really going on there? Do you think he's uh, they're lying about him being injured, or do you think it's a psychological thing? What do you think is going on with Gurley? And can you project going forward what this means for fantasy football in 2019? I have to think he's not healthy, and maybe I'm just – willingly accepting kind of the easy way out, even though it's with the, the indirect contrast to what the team is telling us. I have to think he's not healthy. I have to think he's not right. You know, whatever incentive that they might have to not tell us, you know, that he, look, whatever they, whatever their reasoning is for not telling us that he's, that he's, that he's not healthy, whatever that is, just, it is what it is. I, I, I think he must be some sort of injured, you know, let's remember that this is a guy who did, tears ACL in college, had a major knee injury that he brought with him to the NFL. We did see him sustain some, an MCL injury this year. So I think maybe there's just some lingering effects there. Um, in terms of what this means for fantasy football in, in 2019, if C.J. Anderson is back on this team, I think they clearly found a way to integrate him into the offense. Now, they didn't always do a great job of integrating him and Todd Gurley at the same time, which is, I think, part of the issue – that we saw in the New Orleans game. Um, part of what we saw in the Super Bowl is that I don't think they figured out a way to have both the backs involved in the offense at the same time. So I think it's certainly a question that we will debate. Um, and you have to wonder, are you going to take Todd Gurley in a great offense in a potential timeshare? Or are you going to take somebody like Saquon Barkley in probably a middling to below average offense when you can count on him to handle all the work? Are you going to take him? Are you going to take Todd Gurley over Christian McCaffrey, who you can count on to get all the work? I mean, these are the questions that we'll debate in the months going forward. When C.J. Anderson signed with the Panthers, I thought Norv Turner was going to turn him into a fullback, and then you're going to have McCaffrey in the backfield. I don't see why McVay couldn't do the same thing, where you have Todd Gurley running running back, and then you have McVay or not McVay, then you have uh, Anderson as the fullback. What? In the, I I don't know. I I don't know. Um, but McVay's smarter than me. So hey, talking about fantasy football. Sony Michelle, where do you think his ADP is going to be next year? Oh, I think he'll be an early third rounder, late second rounder. You know, th- this is the thing about the running back market, man, that is very different than in years prior. Like, I feel like two years ago we were asking, I mean, how many of these guys do you possibly want to take in the first few rounds? Like, the running back pool dried up so quickly. Now, I think there's abundance of options. You know, we just talked about Barkley. We just talked about Gurley. Um, and, and, you know, you can go throughout the entire running back market and not Bell's even mention a guy like in Melvin. Some form. Bell I mean, is coming back. David Johnson might be in a better offense. We never talk about Melvin Gordon as a feature back, but when he is right, when he's healthy, he's just as good as any of these guys in fantasy football. I mean, he was a, a total stud to start the year. So there's an abundance of guys to take in the first three rounds. I think Michelle will get up there. The question you have to ask about him is he going to have any role in the passing game next year that he didn't have this year? And it's hard to sell on that issue. Like, if you think about it, 
they essentially just drafted LeGarrette Blunt, a you know a younger, sleeker model of LeGarrette Blunt in the first round last year, which is crazy. But nevertheless, it's exactly what happened. I mean, they didn't use Michelle almost at all in the passing game. They just strictly ran him on power runs, you know, with the offensive line, with two tight ends, everything like that. And is that role going to be different? Because then, then he's a tougher guy to sell because the floor is going to be so dangerous from a week-to-week perspective. Uh, can I pat myself in the back for a second? Would you be fine with that? Go for it. Um, do you remember two years ago before uh, uh, Chris Carson's rookie year when I was asking you, if, do you think Chris Carson is a cool hipster pick? And then I was eventually proven right. Did, do you remember that? Yes, I mean he's okay, still your skyping to... right now. He's still your avatar here, so you you yeah. nailed that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just want to pat myself on the back. Hey, do you know who should be patted on the back? Wade Phillips. I mean, he. I I really feel like this performance out of his defense is going to get lost time. But uh, do you think we're? I mean, Wade Phillips has kind of been the junior head coach there, the Rams, the last few years. Do you think we talk about Wade Phillips enough? Yeah, you're exactly right that it is going to get lost in the history books because, of course, the Rams didn't win, and they, you know, overall as a team, especially on offense, put up such a poor performance. But that is the brilliance of what we got to see in that game is that we got to see two, probably the two best defensive minds in the NFL right now, Wade Phillips and Bill Belichick going up. And we have to talk about Brian Flores, who's now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. You know, he's certainly a part of that defensive operation. We got to see those guys go back and forth for 60 minutes. And I am a hundred percent with you. Like as bad as the Rams offense looked, the Patriots offense and Tom Brady weren't getting anything going really for most, most of this game. So I think Wade Phillips did a great job this year. The, the question with the Rams as a whole, and you know, you asked earlier, like what do they have to do to get back? And I think a lot of this comes down to Wade on defense. They're going to lose a lot of guys, you know, going like the, the Rams went all in this year. Mm-hmm. So was a rental. Yeah. It. Yeah, Sue is a rental. Dante Fowler's going to hit free agency. Marcus Peters' deal is coming up. You know, Akeem Tlaib didn't stay healthy this year and is another year older. What what does his future look like? Uh, I think Wade has to become a clear part of it. And I have more respect to Wade Phillips than almost any other coach in the NFL. Um, I interviewed Rams slot corner, the now infamous Rams slot corner, Nikel Roby Coleman, last fall at the NFL Network. And he was so great about breaking down everything that makes Wade Phillips such a unique head coach in the NFL and why playing in his system is so beneficial for so many of these players. I think they do have to figure the defense out a little bit because it wasn't really a plus unit throughout the year, even though it totally did step up in the playoffs. And I think that's, you know, winning on the margins, is has, that has to be what the Rams do going forward because – the golf decision is looming. I mean, that that are they going to make him, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL? Because that's probably what it's going to it's going to cost, and that's going to come down to Wade Phillips to boost that defense up to being a, a clearly top ten type unit that can take advantage of the big leads that they will have going forward. Because that didn't always happen in 2018. Um, you mentioned that you used to work at the NFL Network. Uh, if you have any friends still at NFL Films, can you pass? I have a I have a title that i think they this maybe isn't the most creative thing but you have the brady six sequel and you title it brady six rings how about that <laughs> i'm sure that is going to be discussed okay. i'm sure i can promise that that'll get discussed um do you think how so everybody was mad at the patriots and jimmy g you know they trade away jimmy g and brady's you know 39 at the time or 40 at the time um 
how did the Patriots already win that trade by you know just allowing Brady to stay, or how much more do they need to do to win that trade? Because Jimmy G, before he went down this year, was an average quarterback. I'm not saying that's what he's going to be in the future, but um, at what point would the Patriots just flat out win that trade? I don't know because they got so little back. Yeah. You know, that's that's the tough part is that they really they got that second round pick back. You would have thought that there would have been much more to get out of that. You know, I thought they probably could have timed it better in terms of when they traded him. Um, you would have thought that if they'd done it in the offseason, they might have had a lot better offers. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, there was no way that they could keep those two on the roster together for the long term because Garoppolo was going to cost too much money. Brady's, you know, he's not one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL because he consistently takes team-friendly deals. But you're also going to have his backup making more money. Yeah, you can't have that. Like I said, an untenable situation keeping them on the roster together for the long term. So I I, I don't know if they win that trade necessarily. I still think it's a, probably something that Belichick wishes he could have back and maybe just, again, time it better. Um, but what, you, what are you going to do? Because Brady's still around. He's still playing well. You're not going to turn the reins over to anybody else. Yep. Hey, what do you think has helped Brady more, the rule changes to protect the quarterback or sports science? Ooh, that's a great question. I would say probably sports science. Um, and whatever he's doing from a personal perspective to keep himself in this kind of shape. But I think playing in New England is, is what's helped Brady the most. I mean, would, would the Tom Brady story have happened if he had landed in any other place with any other head coach? I don't think so. I mean, the the beauty of Brady in that offense, they don't like you like we talked about earlier. They don't run a system, like especially on defense, they don't run a system. They have changed what they do over the course of the Belichick era multiple times. But what the New England offense consistently does for Brady is it constantly presents him with layup throws. It constantly presents him with easy throws to make. You know, whether it's when 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 no one else was throwing to the running backs out of the backfield the Patriots were making it a featured part when the league, when they had two advantages at the tight end position, they made that a feature part. When the slot receiver is the most efficient player to throw to on a wide receiver basis, they've constantly made that position a priority in terms of the archetype of player that they're looking to get. When Welker was starting to fade, they found the next Welker, you know, not only do, and people forget that they didn't, you know, target Julian Edelman. They actually targeted Danny Amendola, and they happened to kind of fall into Julian Edelman, but it at least shows you that they were prioritizing that position. Um, that has made life easier for Brady, I think, almost more than anything else. Um, you know, I you bring up the, the every time you bring up the system thing, uh, I think about trolls on Twitter. But then I saw Mina Kimes tweet. She retweeted somebody that said, "Is this the best YouTube comment of all time?" And it was somebody saying that it's the dumbest thing ever when you bring up that they're in 11 personnel because there are 11 players on the field every play. And it just makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Does that kind of stuff make you feel better when you get, how much Twitter hate do you get? Cause I get it constantly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I try to keep my takes reasonable on, mm-hmm. you know, not just on Twitter, but anywhere to the point where I kind of don't filter myself, but I at least don't actively go out there like looking for, you know, people to react to me or whatever. Um, I don't, there's definitely ways to navigate hate by not engaging in it, not, you know, um, immediately stepping in it and, and, you know, making it worse. So, but there's always hate out there, man. And I think it's worth considering that there are some people that 
don't want to think when it comes to football. And I yeah. kind of get that from their perspective. Like one of the best interviews uh, that I think I listened to throughout Super Bowl week, it was uh, Robert, I think it was on the Ringer podcast, like, and they were talking to Brian Curtis, who works there too. And he was talking about what makes Tony Romo so great. And what makes Tony Romo so great is he's able to bridge the divide between the fans that want to know every in and out about football. You don't want to talk about 11 personnel and play action passes and, you know, the stuff that you and I, because we're in this all day, like we think about this stuff all the time. We want to know the game in, in and out, you know, but there are a lot of people out there that just want to watch football and get excited about it and, you know, crack a few beers and have a good time. Romo is able to navigate both of those audiences because he can teach you about the game, but he can, he also gets excited like a freaking 12 year old. And <laughs> that's why both sides of fan, the fan base of football love him. Uh, you know, there are certainly people out there that don't give a damn about 11 personnel and yards per play out of 11 personnel, but there's a lot of fans that do. And that's the interesting part about football is that there are a lot of fans out there that just want to view the game very, very differently. And it's hard as an analyst to navigate that because you want to be able to give engaging um, content to people out there, but you also don't want to leave people behind. You don't want to talk over people or make people think they're stupid. So it's a tough business to navigate as an analyst, but I think there are a lot of people that do a great job with it. I feel like this was some good therapy. I needed that. Thank you. Um, hey, you talked about 12-year-olds. Uh, how excited were you to see SpongeBob at the halftime show? I mean, what a sight. What a sight. It was the best part of the halftime show, I think. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that was great. I mean, SpongeBob is—it's amazing that he's still in the culture. What a what a what a what an accomplishment! Also, you know, talking about children here, uh, th you know, Lamar Hunt flat out talks about how he ripped off the name of the Super Bowl from the Super Bowl. How can the NFL protect this trademark so vigorously when they've already talked about how they ripped it off? It makes no sense to me. I mean, you're way out of my pay grade here, my friend. Right. <laughs> I don't know anything when it comes to trademarks, but. Uh... Uh, the, the NFL, the NFL will never, uh, never hesitate to flex its legal muscle. I'll tell you that. Hey, um, so uh, Duran Harmon forced the pressure that led to the uh, Gilmore pick. Pretty good day for the Harmon household, huh? Oh yeah, I mean, I was with a lot of family. I was able to travel back home. Uh, my sister just got engaged. Uh, oh, Mazel tov. We, Yeah, we threw a surprise engagement party for us, so I made sure to make sure I was getting out of all my work assignments and went and flew back for that. <laughs> uh, the next day we watched the Super Bowl all together as a family. And uh, that was the first time I ever got to make, oh, look, it's our cousin Duron. Uh, <laughs> the whole family present. So it was a big moment for the family for sure. Um, so we talked about golf a little bit. You brought up uh, the contract that's looming at some point. He really hasn't been the same player since that wild Monday night game against Kansas City. Uh, what do you think the future holds for golf? Oh, this is a, one of the hardest questions in sports, I think, to ask yep. right now. Because mm -hmm. he really started very slow against the uh, Saints in the NFC Championship game, too. And there was one point in the third quarter where I was thinking, all right, well, he has his sea legs under him now. It started the same way against the Saints, but he just never got there. Well, I think when he is in structure, I think Goff is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, from a pure, a pure thrower perspective, I think he, he's great. I think he, when he sees his first read, he's quick about getting it out. But, the, you know, playing in structure is not a given at the NFL level. Oh, yeah. No. I, certainly not when you're playing against the best teams, playing against somebody like Bill Belichick. I mean, forget about it. He's going to consistently get you off 
of your first foot. He's going to get you onto your second lead. He's going to make you think. And so far, Goff has not proven to be – and I think, again, you could say that Sean McVay has maybe not proven to be a coach that can adjust to playing left-handed a- as well. I think you could certainly say that. But the, the question is going to come down for the Rams – do you want to commit top dollar to him? And I think it's a tough question to answer because, and I personally look, John, as I'll tell you, I would love to see a team like the Rams just eschew signing the big money quarterback like a Jared Goff is going to demand yes. to be. This is the next because question. I yes. don't, because I think it's so fascinating. Look, you, if you tie yourself to a Matthew Stafford type, you know, a guy who has, I think at this point, proven to be a quarterback who is good, but not a difference maker enough to elevate you to a Super Bowl quality team on his own. S- signing a player like that to top five quarterback money kills your roster. You can ask the question, is Kirk Cousins that guy for the Minnesota Vikings? I think one year in, it's probably too hard to say definitively right now, but I think the question is at least on the table. That kills your roster if that quarterback is not a, t- a true individual difference maker. I don't think at this point that you can say Jared Goff is a true individual difference maker. Maybe by 20, the end of 2019, we're singing a different tune. That's totally possible. But the Rams have to ask themselves, are they better off letting their quarterback walk, willingly going into the quarterback wilderness, you know, bringing on a cheap rookie contract guy, bringing on some veterans and giving yourself a, a plethora of options is that better than committing top dollars to this guy? So we can continue to bring in the Dominican Sues of the world. We continue to get, trade for Marcus Peters. You know, we can rent Dante Fowler in the middle of the season. Having a top five quarterback on your roster takes those things off the table. I would, I would love to see a team try to do this, but I don't think any teams ha- have the stones to do it because when you are in quarterback wilderness, it's a miserable existence. Um, and the say, you know, the, the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't is always more appealing to NFL teams who have not just wins and losses tied up into this, but marketability, you know, visibility. And a top a top quarterback, even if we can debate where Jared Goff falls on that spectrum, he certainly makes the Rams more marketable than if he than you know if it's some random third round rookie in there. Well, because he's so handsome. But yes, that was gonna be the that was gonna be it because I look, we saw the what the Eagles did, you know, although Carson Wentz didn't play in the Super Bowl, you know, he on his rookie deal, the Seahawks of twenty, you know, twelve with Russell Wilson on his rookie deal. Uh that's the what's gonna be the question because if you can keep in bringing but obviously it's hard to keep getting the right guy, but if you can always have that quarterback on the rookie deal because that's what the Bears are trying to do right now. They're trying to make hay while Mitchell Trubisky's still in that rookie deal. They have all those guys on defense. That's going to blow up at some point soon. Man, right. I am excited that you answered that question that way because I'm thinking the same thing. Um, I think well, and look, it. I think the difference between the difference between the Seattle Seahawks, like they were, they were a perfect test case, I think, to try to do this. But Russell Wilson eventually proved himself to be yeah. that true individual difference maker. I mean. There's no way you can let like that. There's no way you can let that player walk. There's no way you can let a potential top, I don't know, top eight, top five quarterback like Russell Wilson yeah, walk out the door. Yeah, the golf thing more interesting then because Russell Wilson's sitting there in division, so you need to be able to compete with him twice a year. Right, right, right. And I think you, there, you just have to ask yourself, what's the gap between Jared Goff and the potential next guy we bring in? versus the what our roster is going to look like with Jared Goff making $33 million a year or something and you know the rest of the team that we're going to be able to surround him with. 
that, that that's the gap that they need to settle with themselves. And again, that's probably the hardest question to ask yourself in sports because the Eagles, I think, have they can feel they can't feel great about Carson Wentz's ability to stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. certainly something. But they also can definitely, I think, feel great about Wentz as a potential individual difference maker. So when it comes time to extend him, it's going to hurt. But I think they can feel better about the product they're going to get than the Rams have to feel about Jared Goff right now. Like, there's a way to have this discussion like we're having it right now without there there being like a hot take element. Because Mm -hmm. I think there's so many fascinating questions to ask based on this question. I actually – this isn't about the Super Bowl, but I think the Eagles are kind of being a jerk to – Nick Foles right now. I know it's a business, blah, blah, blah. But the guy won you a Super Bowl, you know, be, be, pay him the respect of just cutting him, right? Am I, oh, am see, I naive? I, or... I kind of take a different perspective than you on this one because I think the the Eagles and Foles are really both trying to do right by each other because okay. the Eagles love Nick Foles and I think Nick Foles loves the Eagles. They both realize that they will no longer be able to stay together. And I think that, look, Nick Foles is going to go. I think he will have to agree to go to a place and sign a contract for them to make a trade. I don't think they're just going to trade him to you know Miami or something and throw him into a complete tank job of an organization. But what I think, what I think the, the sell there for Foles will still work with the Eagles to find that destination. I think on the Eagles' side, what Foles has assured them is – hey, now I'm not going to go into free agency and sign with Washington or sign with the Giants and potentially boost their quarterback position because both those teams are desperately hurting at the, at behind center right now. I think that's the trade-off. Is Foles is going to have an input on where he goes. The Eagles are then going to get compensated by it. And Foles is also doing right by them by, again, getting them that compensation and then assuring them, hey, I'm not going to go and play in the division and face you guys twice a year and make it an awkward situation for your fans, for your franchise, and for me if I come back and beat you twice a year. And then everybody's asking questions, did you do the right thing at the quarterback position? I really would have liked to see Barkley, Odell, and Foles. That, I don't know. I, that's what I want to see as a football fan who does not care about the NFC East all that much. Um, hey, uh, you put out a tweet with some high production value. Did you do the video editing on that self, or do you have some friends? How, how do you pull something off like that? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're referring to my – technically right now I haven't unfrozen myself from carbon freezing genres. I'm going to do that right after uh, – I'll put okay. up second part of that video uh, right after we get off this podcast here. But I think what, what, what you're referring to obviously is the Han Solo carbon freezing. No, I did not do – it was my idea and then the beautiful social media video editors here at Yahoo Sports – uh, Michael Wagstaff and Avery uh, put that together, uh, Avery Mitchell, and put that together, and they did a great job with it, uh, taking my stupid little joke vision and bringing it to life. That's one of my favorite feelings in the world is when I have a dumb joke I want to pull off and other people help facilitate it. It's the best. Um, what was it? I just had something and I lost it. Um, we were talking about – oh, hey, did you see um, uh, Infinity War? The yes. Avengers movie. My one of my favorite parts. I'm a huge nerd. Uh, one of my favorite parts of that movie, though, is when Gamora says to Star Lord, "I love you." And Star Lord, who is obviously probably a Star Wars fan back when he was on Earth, instead of saying "I know," he says "I love you too." I thought it was a, I don't know. I love that moment because like it it was not to denigrate Star Wars or anything, but it was. I don't know what I'm trying to point. I'm trying to make here. You know what I'm trying to say? Does this make sense to you? Yeah, it's a little bit of a callback, but they put it in a different way. Uh, yeah, I, I well, it's like he, you know, 
I don't know. He he wasn't too cool for the moment. You know what I mean? Like it's all cool that Han Solo yeah. is all cool, but like also, I don't know. The woman he loves is right there. Just say I love you. Yeah, Star Star Lord was the uh, was the you know more of the modern day man, the sensitive fellow that there was you go. okay uh, showing his feelings in, in the moment. <laughs> you know, you got to remember Star Star Wars was. Uh, you know that was that was a galaxy far far away a long long time ago. You know, so things really hadn't progressed then in terms of uh, the man female dynamic. There you go. See, and that's the kind of insight you get when you have Matt Harmon on your podcast. Everybody, all right, Matt Harmon at Matt Harmon underscore B Y B B. There you go. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Um, thank you so much for doing this. It's always a it's always a gay time when you're on, and maybe we'll. I, when was the last time you were on? Did you was it? Did we do a year? Let's not make it a year this time. Absolutely. Uh, you just let me know. I'm down to come back anytime. This is a great conversation. We we went on a, a number of different ways. So yep. Yeah, all right. Thank you so much. Bye. John is here still. I'm joined by Rostock. Rostock, say hi. Yo, for the last time of the year, Rostock is saying hi. I can't believe it. I we know. made it. We made it through three years. That you know, the haters said that uh, this dynasty would end. The haters said that there's no way we can go back and do a third year. We proved all the haters wrong, Rostock. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. It's like um, I haven't reached year three of my marriage yet. But I imagine I will have a similar relationship with Katie as I have with you in year three. So, you know, <laughs> we are, yeah, we're very close. We spend most nights together. Did you um, uh-huh. did you watch the Super Bowl with uh, Pucci and that church they usually go to? Yeah. So this year, um, <laughs> I have a funny story for you because um, this year they moved it out of it used to be in like a gymnasium, and it was awesome. Um, and this year they moved it into the hall of the church. So it was, what is it? St. Michael's maybe, or St. Joe's, St. Joe's on 30. Um, they have, they have that school and then on 30, they have the church. So they moved us into the hall this year. And, um, I think I've, I've put, um, are you sure that's not St. Mike's by Kaler? I'm sure it's, uh, the one, it's the one by shoots. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so I put some context clues together and I have deducted that we were quarantined into like, so imagine you have the hall of the church and then, you know, like attached to the hall, they have like those CCD rooms, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the Bible school studies. We were essentially in one of there with um, Vince's dad's friends and like the people he invites, but it is because we are now four years in a row easily like no question about it the most drunk people there (laughs) and um we yeah we are like uh siphoned off into a room and it was fun um and i made a bet with a guy that uh we would drink over 150 beers as a table and there were like 11 of us and last year mind you we drank 123, so we added two people. I said, no problem. We'll easily reach 150, and um, we only got to 137, so I lost money to this guy. But towards the end, towards the end of the night, 
they were closing down the bar and I was going up and I kept, I kept saying, we can't drink 150 beers if we don't have 150 beers. So, so I kept going to the bar and getting three beers at a time and just handing them out to people in our room. I was like, you need another beer. You have to drink another beer. By the end of the Super Bowl, I was so drunk, I couldn't call myself an Uber. I was screaming at people saying, who won the Super Bowl? And Chobbs would look at me and he would scream, not Tom Brady, not Tom Brady, because, I mean, yes, he didn't throw a million touchdowns. But, yeah, we lost. I drank a lot of beer. It was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't text yeah, at it, all during the Super Bowl, and I thought that was a little odd. I was but busy I drinking guess... 150 beers. Yeah, it I'm checks ser- out. Like, I, cared, I cared so little <laughs> about the game. <laughs> I was more concerned with seeing if I could drink the beer. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what do, you, what do you have to say about the game that, I guess, hasn't been said? I don't know. I, yeah, and I don't know. It, Me and Matt Harmon covered a lot of it in the interview that will uh, precede this. Pro, what is the word? Is that the right word? Pro, uh, um, come before. <laughs> come before, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I just really don't feel like talking about, like, the – it was boring again. I don't think it was boring. You know? I was – I think it was a different type of game than, like, the Chiefs at uh, – uh, in Los the Rams Angeles, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, but like, I feel like it was a super tense experience. Like, I am a Russell Wilson Seahawks fan, but as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, that I've kind of become like a secondary Tom Brady fan, just because I don't know. It's great watching the greatest. Also, this is what I I haven't said this yet. I don't think on a podcast, but I think if you're a fan of a team that has lost to Brady or beat Brady in a Super Bowl. You unless they're playing this current year, you want Tom Brady to win because I think that it makes the Seahawks loss look better. Like, oh, they lost to Tom Brady who's won, you know, six. You know what I mean? Like or if you're Nick Foles, who's like, hey, like he just won six, but he didn't get one on me. Like I think you should want Tom Brady to win unless he's playing your team this year. Does that make sense? Oh, one perfect sense. Yeah, because I mean, like, if you're a Giants fan, you're like, dude, we got him twice. Like, you guys all suck. Right. It's it's he he is the you know he's the crown everyone's trying to you know grab for themselves. I, I don't I don't know what else there is to say about him. I don't know what else there is really to say about the game that that you probably haven't already said. Um, but um, Harmon yeah, said I, that I mean, he didn't agree with me, but he wasn't mad at me that I was assessing that Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I started that campaign. Well, I didn't start it. I jumped on Nate Burleson of NFL Network's campaign uh, last week, and I think the Super Bowl for performance kind of like cements the idea of why he's the Hall of Famer because he's now second all-time receptions and yards in postseason history. He's going to keep playing, and I don't see why Tom Brady – and company won't make a deep push next year. I mean, well, who's going to beat him? Is Andy Reid going to figure out how to beat Bill Belichick somehow? That's not going to happen. So, yeah. I, like, he's only going to add to this legacy of his, and I think Julian Edelman will get in because if you're on a dynasty, you get in more easily than if you're not on a dynasty. That's just how it works. Oh, now, for sure. Yeah, exa- exactly. Common sense. And the Patriots are on a double dynasty now. They're uh, the first double dynasty. It's ridiculous. Is I've, I've literally never heard that phrase before because I don't think there's ever really been a team. And when you say double dynasty, you're talking about two different periods of time. 
but I would really argue that it's been pretty much Tom Brady. And, like, he started the dynasty, and and it's not going to end until he's done. I, I just I, – Well, I, I think don't... my thought is, like, so the Bulls of the 90s was one dynasty because it was one decade. I kind of view dynasties as, you know, dec- like the team of the decade, right? But the Patriots were the team of the uh, aughts and the team of the teens. So it, yeah. I, that's why I'm considering them a double dynasty. Uh, a double dynasty back to back, or back to back dynasty. You can, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you you can you can argue that like you know um, early Celtics teams were dynasties, but like they were dynasties in like you know separate chunks of time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Like, I guess you can make that argument about anything. And I don't know, I don't know over, enough over. about the NHL, but I'm sure when there were four teams, there were some, you know. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to kind of recap I, I do the year? Do you want more stuff about the Patriots? Um. What was your thought? Then let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I, 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 I have like, to. I have a thought year. about. I have a thought about Tom, and then sure we can we can do that. Um. So, I had said in either the divisional or championship round games that Tom will probably win the Super Bowl again. And if he does that, he should just, you know, that, that should, he should just call it quits. And I don't recall this. Was I upset when you said this? Um, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't like providing as much of a take as I was just saying like, why doesn't he just do this type of mm-hmm. thing? You know, um, I, I just, uh, it seems it seems to me that he might not get a better opportunity than this one because teams are. Are you, you still? St- are you so? You're sticking by this take? Yes, I yeah, disagree I, because why? No, because it's the same thing I was just talking to Harmon about, and I just brought this up. Like, why? Who in the AFC is going to compete with the Patriots next year? I don't care what the turnover is on the Patriots roster. They still have Bill Belichick, who outcoached. I mean, just flat out out coach McVay. McVay looked foolish out there in several occasions. And wh- who in the AFC is going to take down the Patriots? They held the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Rams all to zero points in the first half of their playoff games. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's the funny. Chiefs and the Rams. It's funny when you say it like that. And okay, I mean, all right, honestly, the dude could play till he's 46 years old if he keeps just. He's not getting hit. He gets rid of the ball too fast. It it just all seems a little bit too easy for him, you know? Man, I I I don't think there's more than five quarterbacks in the NFL that can make maybe five's even getting him credit because who can make those throws that he made to Gronk on that last drive? You know, I mean oh, I, think, I know. Absolutely dimes. Yeah, I mean, but the arc on the ball, I mean, it wasn't just that they were accurate, it was the way those balls came in, you know what I mean? It was a three D passing game. And, like, I think Russ could do that. I think Drew Brees on his best day can do that. I don't think there are a lot of guys that can do that, though. So, if you're Tom Brady yeah. and you're 42 next year, like, why would you stop when you could do this thing that, you know, Jared Goff can't do? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm so, like I said, I don't know if mine's necessarily a take because I love Tom too much. And if he, <laughs> if he were to continue playing, let's say hypothetically, if Tom were to play four more years, three more years, and wins another Super Bowl, like what? What is that? What? what I mean, dude, seven out of ten looks just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Seven like, out of ten is un. It, it, it doesn't even sound right. 
You know, I know, dude. Thirty and ten is his playoff record. The next uh, best <laughs> playoff winning, or so Joe Montana has six playoff or sixteen playoff wins. That's second. Tom Brady has cleared him by fourteen wins. And that's and that's where, like, this argument doesn't make any sense anymore. Just like, please, just there. There's literally no other side to the argument. It is a true-false matter now. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, like with, without doubt. Yeah, because Joe Montana is sixteen and seven with a winning percentage of sixty-nine-six, and Tom Brady's is thirty uh, out of ten with a seven or point seven five winning percentage. It's just is the best winning percentage. You know, I mean, you can say Bart Starr went nine and one, but he played ten games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trent Dilfer man. actually has a better playoff record uh, percentage. He went five and one, and so did Sid Luckman of your Bears. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Just if you just look at the raw record, it, it's it's so hard to to argue. And yeah, you saying seven out of ten Super Bowls would that's just that's just asinine. That's yeah, yeah we also thought that about six out of nine. You know what I mean? Like this, this is all wacky, you know, funhouse numbers. <laughs> yeah, like they're not real things. Really um, let's uh, talk about your Bears. Where do we see them going next year? What's your oh, wait? No, actually, before we get do that, let's talk about somebody else from Chicago. Uh, did you know that uh, um, Michael Jordan's playoff series record is thirty and seven? Wow, I didn't know that. So who's who's the better? Who's the goat? Tom Brady or Michael Jordan? I mean, if you're comparing records, I guess it has to be Jordan. But the NBA playoff again. This is why I don't like I don't like this argument because basketball is so much different than football. Yep. And the NBA postseason is wildly different. You play best out of seven series in football. You play one game in any any team. I think that's why football is crazy. Any team can win on it. On any given Sunday, movie with Al Pacino. Hoo-ah! Okay, let's let's forget this. I I think Tom Brady's the best of all time. I don't care what other people think. Um, I think yeah, that the Rams that. are going to regress next year. They had a lot of rentals, and also there might be a Super Bowl hangover. And the Seahawks win the NFC West. Way too early prediction. I don't care. What do you think about your Bears? And then we'll get out of here. Oh, I like that. I think you're probably right. Um. With the the Rams and uh, Seahawks prediction there, um, Bears win the NFC closely against Aaron Rodgers, but the NFC or the NFC North, the NFC North. Sorry, okay. the division That's because of the big difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no the the Bears the Bears will win the NFC North, um, but it's not going to be as easy as it was for them this year. However, I think when they play the Packers in games where the Packers actually have, you know, our players on the field that aren't injured. Um, we're going to, we're going to finally murder Aaron Rodgers on live television. It's can awesome. I, can I tell you something? Uh, they're going to move. Yeah. The rumors are that they're going to move the banner game to Sunday night football. And they want to have the Thursday night football representative of the, you know, NFL 100 season. And there's a good chance that, uh, the game that would make the most sense to represent the NFL's 100th season 
would be the Packers and Bears. So there's a good chance that the first game of the year is going to be the Packers at the Bears or Bears at the Packers. Wow. I would love that. That's how you kick off um, the 100th season, baby. I mean, yeah. As long as the Bears aren't wearing the patch, then I'm cool with it. I think everybody's going to have right. a 100-year patch. And I think you're also okay, going like, to so, have those so really ugly... So if everybody ugly... has a patch, does, does the patch... Um, does the patch... Uh, what, what, what do you call it? The um, curse? Every team's going to go 0-0-16. Does it 16. cancel out? No, every team's going to go 0-0-16. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that's. I, I think the Bears are going to have a, a good role of it um, again. I think their defense is going to be good, but I wanted to ask you if you think Vic Fangio is going to have like a, a noticeable impact being gone. I don't think so. I like Chuck Pagano. I think he had a really crap situation yeah, so in Indy. I, you know, uh, Ryan Grigson was not a legitimate NFL GM, and he was stuck with him. So he wasn't really given a good roster at all in uh, Indy. So, I mean, given, giving him Khalil Mack and Hicks and, you know, Floyd and those safeties, Jackson and uh, uh, why well, can't think of uh, – I can't think of the other safety's name. Amos. Amos. Adrian Amos yeah, well, and so, um, Fuller's under contract still, right? Because uh, yeah, Prince Fuller's of Mukumara yep. is going to walk? Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I need to get, he would be I the most to, likely one. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing the next couple of weeks is getting up to date with every single NFL team's uh, free agency situation. Yeah. Well, um, I was kind of thinking the same thing about Chuck Pagano, but I just I like to hear you say it. It makes me feel good. Well, that's what I'm here for. Uh, make sure my or make sure you check out my other podcast. I owe you an interview. I had a great interview with uh, Stephen Plock up there. Uh, Ross Dog might check in. He usually checks in a couple times during the non-playing season, so we'll get him at some point uh, back on the pod. But follow him at Ross Dog FPT. In the meantime, uh, make sure you follow me at Chandra's FPT. Give us a five-star review, and uh, we'll still be putting out content. Maybe we might take a week off. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but subscribe at Apple Podcasts. All right. Bye, everybody. Wait, do you have any last words, Ross Dog, before you're gone for the next few months or whatever? Um, no. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Final Fantasy Final Fantasy X, HD yep. Remake, and Ten Two 2 is coming out for the Switch. So you should play that. It's like the best Final Fantasy game. Yeah, so we're going to lose Ross Dog either way. Yeah, it's my favorite. All right, I might play it. All right, bye, everybody.
So, no, yeah, my problem, my problem is that, like, it's just, like, not, it's not the Pokemon game I want to play. That's all. I'm being very honest. I'm not saying that it's a bad game. It's just, I don't see myself spending $60 on it this year when I also know that I will be spending $60 on a Pokemon game. I'm Which is crazy, I'm because if you think about it, like, all Pokemon games up until this point, before they've been on Switch, have not been $60. This is going to be the first Pokemon game besides Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee that's 60 bucks. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Sorry. I'm afraid I'm going to double dip and get Let's Go Eevee. I'm terrified. Um, Sorry. Tactical RPGs. Yeah. Um, I mean, isn't that what Mario plus Rabbids is? I think so. I don't know. I've never really been into them all that much, but I've been digging Wargroove. Yeah, isn't that... That's the Advance Wars game, right? Yep. Um, I fucking love Advance Wars. And I, I just bought... Um, when Into the Breach went on sale, I uh, I got that for like I think I got it for free because I had enough gold points. Yeah, I and I love spent like, like five that. bucks on Wargroove or something. That did? Yeah, because I had like oh, I think it was you, fifteen you bucks or something, and I had gold coins saved up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's what I'm going to use my gold coins for from now on. Is like pay full price on you know. Big AAA um, games. Direct, then, d- direct yeah. development, yep, AAA games, and then all my indie games will just be free. Yep. So, That's the way to do it, I feel um, like. Yeah, but, you know, um, I like, yeah, tactical RPGs I like. I wouldn't say... I've never really played them I, before. Before uh, Mario Plus Rabbids. Yeah, and is XCOM technically con- considered, like, a tactical RPG? I don't know. I'm out of my. Isn't that what Fire here. Emblem is? Isn't that what Fire yeah. Emblem is? Yeah, which I'm gonna get okay. that game, and I kind of bought this game to see if I can get into Fire Emblem, and I think I could. So Fire Emblem's like Advanced Wars. I think it's a little bit different. It's more story driven. I'm not the right person to be talking about the difference of those two games. See, like I hear Peter on NBC talk about like how much he loves Fire Emblem. And I just, I just don't get it. But I also don't know, like, which Fire Emblem game should you play? Like, where, where do you even obtain that game? You should I, email I don't... them for the question block. Huh. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I, do I that. won't. But why not? Okay. Uh, I think I have a Ross Dog email address from when I set up your Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write them an email. <laughs> I would love. For you to send an email on behalf of me for a question that I really want answered, but you just feel <laughs> like emailing them. <laughs> um, you know that's going to happen. Uh, oh, yeah, no doubt in my mind. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it already practically has. Um, John just here still. I'm joined by Ross Dog. Ross Dog, say hi. Yo. Up. For the last time of the year, Rostock is saying hi. I can't believe it. I we know. made it.